What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Back with another episode. This is just going to be me today. I'm going to go for about 20, 25 minutes and get one last final Adam Case rant off my chest as there's only five games left in the season. Jets currently 0-11, steamrolling towards the number one overall pick. Widely assumed, and it better be true, that Adam Gase will be fired at the end of the season. The Jets are also a weird organization, so I could see them doing something like firing him after week 15 or week 16. You never know with this organization. We'll see. If you have not yet listened, please check out Draft Season on this very feed, hosted by James Koontz, Joe Bellick, and Dalvin Osario. Going forward, for a little schedule PSA work, Every Thursday morning on this feed, those three guys will be hosting an NFL Draft 2021-specific podcast. I'll pop in from time to time along with a bunch of other guests, but this is going to be a big draft. We want to get on it now, and we'll be covering the draft every Thursday morning on this feed uh, with that topic. And then every Friday morning, uh, you'll get yours truly hosting the normal show that we have on this feed. Also, if you have not subscribed or checked out our ad-free podcast on Patreon yet, hosted by myself and Connor Rogers, that's at patreon.com backslash badlandstoj. That is a weekly ad-free, ad-free show. Last week, we had Jordan Reed on in the Draft Network to talk about the 21, 2021 NFL Draft. Connor had an article on why the Jets should hire Matt Campbell. I had some free agency content. I got a live stream going this Sunday before kickoff, $3 a month. I promise you will get plenty of very high-quality Jets content uh, month-to-month with it only ramping up in the off-season. And, of course, for this podcast, which will remain free, uh, we will continue to have our ads. But subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. All right, let's jump into it. So it's not new news that Adam Gase is a bad head coach. He's the worst head coach in the NFL right now. I don't think that is something that is up for debate. And what myself and I think many other fans find frustrating is now you're starting to see some of the post-mortem reflections on the hire leak out from some different people on the beat and from some other people around the team is that it was very easy to see that this was not, not only not going to work, but very likely be a totally unmitigated disaster. Uh, This is not surprising that Gase is going to get fired after two years. It is surprising that the Jets are 0-11. I thought they would be a five-win team this year. They'll be lucky to be a one-win team. Hopefully, they end up being a zero-win team. So just how bad it's gotten, I suppose, is a touch of a surprise. But in my mind, that's really just evening out last year which many misrepresented as being not that bad and going seven and nine is having progress. And all you had to do was watch the Jets last year and watch the context of those seven wins to know that last year's Jet team was really a four and 12 team that happened to finish seven and nine thanks to some fortuitous circumstances, you know, which actually really weren't, weren't too fortuitous. So we go back to how the Jets ended up with Adam Gase. And it was a broken process from the beginning. It's been a broken process for how the Jets hire a head coach because of their reporting structure, 
But this one ended up particularly bad because the Jets made a bad, poorly timed decision uh, to not fire Mike McCagden with Todd Bowles when he absolutely deserved even more so than Bowles to be fired. I think they both should have been let go, but it should have been done concurrently. And the fact that they didn't do that meant that really Mike McCagden and Brian Heimerdinger led the Jets' head coaching search with Christopher Johnson mixed in. And we've talked about it a few times on this show, and we've talked about it on Badlands, but it was an unmitigated disaster. The Jets really hurt their reputation more than it already was league-wide with just how incompetent and over their head McCagden and Heimerdinger were in that process. And some stuff leaked out. I mean, they had Matt Rule on the one-yard line, a guy who really wanted to come back to the area, but they refused to let him hire his own staff. So he smartly declined on their offer, waited a year, and now is the head coach for the Panthers. Because of how poorly they conducted that process and they missed out on Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Todd Munkin, and even other better options that were out there, they had to settle for a guy in Matt Gate and Adam Gase who... If he didn't get the Jets' job, the only other job for him out there was being Matt Patricia's offensive coordinator for the Lions. Matt Patricia, who has been the worst coach besides Adam Gase in the NFL the past few years and was recently fired by the Lions. So that lets you know where Gase was headed without the Jets. And the reason why we were, and many others were, down on the decision to even interview him after he was somewhat surprisingly fired by Miami is that it's very rare for a head coach to generally fail in her first role and then immediately get a second job with no years in between for reflection, to learn more, to improve, and find any success. And the best examples are within the Jets' own organization. You know, Gase is in some ways similar to what happened with Rex Ryan, except Gase never had any of the success up front. You know, Rex had two incredible runs here with the Jets the AFC Championship game. He was then okay to outright bad from 2011 to 2014 before he got fired and immediately took another job with the Buffalo Bills. Instead of going to become a defensive coordinator or taking a year off, he was fired within two seasons. Eric Mangini, similar deal, probably got a bit of a raw deal, immediately went to the Cleveland Browns, was fired after two years. Gase is going to be the exact same thing. Uh, you need time to you know, step away. Uh, even that time, I don't think, would have done anything for Gase. I think Gase had a resume or has a resume that is heavily inflated by a year with Peyton Manning. The numbers speak for themselves every time he's not with Manning. His offense has been in the bottom seven of the NFL, and in the past two years, it's been dead last for his entire tenure as the Jets head coach. So there's no proof that he is even competent at what is supposed to be his bread and butter. He's represented as being an offensive mind who's good with quarterbacks. There is no tangible proof that he is that. There is proof that he was able to stay out of the way of Peyton Manning. That is it. He has never effectively developed any quarterbacks. He has never coached a successful offense without Peyton Manning. You've seen how Ryan Tannehill has flourished away from him. And look, in 2016, Miami was a decent story. They were an okay 10-16 and who snuck in the playoffs and got killed in the first round. And they would have got killed in the first round even if Tannehill wasn't hurt for that game. And they didn't, I think they played it with Matt Moore. Um, it was an okay season. And, you know, it was not, they weren't some dominant team. Uh, they took advantage of a weaker AFC that year and got into the playoffs. And they got knocked out. 
the next two years for Gase were really a disaster, and you could point to injuries, but he wanted Jay Cutler to be his quarterback. Uh, he got Tannehill back uh, in 2018, and Miami was, you know, 6-10 and 7-9. and On top of that, really bad on offense. He clashed with players constantly and was regularly shipping whatever talent they had out of town and really left that organization and franchise in such tatters that they decided to undertake an extremely ambitious tank and rebuild. They shipped off everything, they gutted it, and they started 0-7 last year. And since then, they are, I'm doing the math, I believe 12-7, and and currently 7-4 and right now, positioned to at least be a wild card team this year and have an outside chance of winning the AFC East. And that's how quick they were able to t turn things around after really truly ripping out every trace of Gase and his coaching staff uh, in Miami. And I think the first sign that was troubling that Gase wasn't going to evolve in his second role was the decisions he made on his coaching staff. Any chance that this had of working fully went down the drain when it was revealed that Gase was just going to bring Dowell Loggins over as his offensive coordinator, who has been... Basically just like Gase, a disaster everywhere he went. And Gase basically brought his entire offensive staff over from Miami and a couple other pieces and nobody to challenge him. You know, just stubborn, doing the exact same thing even though it's not working. And the Jets never got a quarterback coach and their infrastructure to support Sam Darnold, which was Gase's number one task and the alleged number one reason they hired Gase was to develop Sam Darnold. They were too proud to go hire a quarterback coach. It was just going to be Gase's, hey, I'm the head coach, I'm the offensive coordinator, Dowell's the offensive coordinator, and he's the quarterback coach. And that's stubborn. You should have brought in other people that you hadn't worked with previously to challenge your thinking because your thinking wasn't working in Miami, and you should have given Sam Darnold every chance to succeed by getting him a quarterback coach. Now, they go out in year one, and the top line is the Jets go seven and nine and Sam Darnold makes some statistical progress from what was statistically a very average rookie year. And the spin becomes, they improved three games, Darnold took some small step forward despite injuries, so we shouldn't change anything. That of course was insane, it was ridiculously insane. The Jets did not make one change to their offensive coaching staff and they did not add a quarterback coach, and they ran it back with Gase and Dowell as the two main voices in Darnold's ear, which was further proof that this year was not going to be a winning year, and this overall hire was going to be a disaster, because it showed that, at least when it came to coaching Darnold and assessing the team's success through a lens of offense last year, they were not properly self-scouting. They did properly, Joe Douglas did properly self-scout in how he handled free agency in the offseason, and we talked about it a lot in the offseason. The Jets, or the Jets' new front office, built this year to be an evaluative season, right? They did not go all in on free agency. They traded Jamal Adams for draft capital. They lined up this year to assess and evaluate Adam Gase and Sam Darnold, and both, unfortunately, for the case of Darnold, have failed that evaluation miserably. But the Jets did not give Darnold a fair chance to succeed because they looked at their 2019 output and thought there were positive signs there when there really wasn't. And let's go through 2019 quickly. You come out week one and you blow a 16 to nothing lead at home. You score one offensive touchdown in that game. 
Darnold, you could say he didn't play that well because he maybe had some early signs of mind. I'm fine. The next three games are a disaster. The Jets basically forfeit the three of them. They don't even try to compete. They don't score a single offensive touchdown. Just like that, you're 0-4 and your season's basically over. You go out and you have what was the lone, what I would say is the lone somewhat impressive win of this gay startled era. They beat Miami. I'm sorry. They beat Dallas at home, 24-22. 24-22. And this is, it's not even that impressive is the point. Dallas was 7-9 and nine last year. They didn't make the playoffs. And the most impressive win of the Gay-Starnold era is beating them by two points at home in a game where they scored three touchdowns, all of which, which came in the first half. Dallas woke up and came charging back and nearly won that game. That game has been, you know, was held out and pointed to, look, look at what these guys could do together, look at all the progress. Reality sets in the next three weeks. We have the ghost game against New England, no offensive touchdowns. They get killed by a terrible Jacksonville team. Two offensive touchdowns. They lose to Miami, who's 0-7 at the time. One offensive touchdown. They're 1-7. At that point, they should have fired at Adam Gase. Instead, Chris Johnson comes out and says he's going to be here all the way up through the end of 2020. Turned out to be an incredibly stupid decision, which we said very much at the time. The Jets go on a three-game winning streak then, which was about as misleading as it gets because they beat three teams who picked in the top five of the NFL draft. The Giants, the Redskins, and I'm sorry, the Raiders didn't pick in the top five of the NFL draft, but they didn't make the playoffs last year. Jets go out, they win the Redskins game, the Raiders game pretty handily. Giants game was a close one. So they get to four and seven. Then everything you need to know about Gase happens because they go out and they don't score an offensive touchdown against the 0-11 Bengals. That's that. They win a couple fluky games down the stretch. They were gifted a game on a pass interference call against Miami at home. And they get to play Buffalo's backup, so they finish 7-9, and nine, really, instead of the 5-11 and 11 or 4-12 and 12 that they should have. Darnold, down the stretch, did not play well. He racked up some stats in that three-game winning streak, but the last 12 Sam Darnold-Adam Gase games, and five of those games bleed into 2019, they have 11 total touchdowns. Darnold was not playing well or producing down the stretch. The Jets won three of their final five because of their defense. Their final five games... Zero touchdowns and a loss to 0-11 Bengals. One offensive touchdown and a one-point win at home to Miami on a fluke pass interference call. A blowout loss to the Ravens where they scored one touchdown that wasn't in garbage time. A 16-10 win over Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph where they scored one offensive touchdown. And a 13-6 win over Buffalo's backups and Matt Barkley where they scored one offensive touchdown. So... Not a fair assessment that they were really making progress. We then get to this year, which has been just inexplicably disgusting from an actual on-field performance. And finally, Gase took a semblance of accountability in saying he has failed to develop Sam Darnold. Do you think, really? Sam Darnold's stats this year are... Has bad, they're worse than what we saw from Geno Smith. They're worse than what we saw from Mark Sanchez. That is absolute worst. He has started seven games this year and has three touchdown passes. That is almost impossible to do in today's NFL, to have that low of a level of production. He is averaging less than 200 yards passing per game. He's under 60% as a completion percentage. He's under six as a yards per attempt. Statistically, he is far and away the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. It's not even close. Uh, Joe Flacco has been mediocre when he's been in, 
he looks good by comparison because of just how bad Darnold's been. Now, I think Darnold right now is a little banged up. I think he's been banged up since the Denver game. But he is, he looks really bad. And it, certainly the coaching, coaching isn't helping, but he never looked this bad in 2018, even when he struggled. Uh, and he never looked this bad at USC. Right now, he is totally lost. And it's impacting the Jets' trade value on him a little bit. So I hope he can do something that shows some flashes of consistency down the stretch. But Gase is effectively not just broke Sam Darnold, but shown a total inability to develop any player and think imaginatively with the Jets' offense. They run all the time on second and long. They use no motion. They are excessively predictable with their play calling. They always throw behind the sticks. Their entire offense is generally built to run through a slot receiver in Jamison Crowder. They don't know how to spread the ball around. They have no idea how to use the tight end. They've basically broken Chris Herndon as well. They're giving 40-year-old Frank Gore 20 touches a game, uh, not developing any younger players on the roster. They're horrible in short yardage. There's no game awareness. And as soon as they're down by double digits in the second half, they forfeit, which you know, in terms of tanking this year is a good thing, and why it's a good thing Gase isn't firing yet, but this has been forfeit, loser football. Gase is stubborn with the media and in petty battles about who is actually calling the place, who cares? Gase is horrible, Dallas horrible. They're both going to be gone in five weeks. They're trying to pass the buck back and forth. It's just insane to watch, you know, we're enjoying this year because we're getting close to Trevor Lawrence and Gase deserves to go in 16, but from an actual on-the-field product, it's just been totally embarrassing offensively. Uh, in an era where it's easier to score points than it has ever been, and the Jets cannot score touchdowns when Sam Darnold's on the field, the Jets are 0-11. Sam Darnold started seven of those games. In those seven games, he has thrown three touchdowns. Two of those three touchdowns have came while the Jets are down by double digits in the second half. So he has thrown one touchdown in seven games when the game is still remotely competitive. He's back to turning over the football. He threw two interceptions against Miami. He's not really doing much with his legs. He is not showing much pocket presence. Any progress he made under Jeremy Bates is totally regressed under Dowell and Gase. It's as bad as it's advertised to be. We joked when the Jets signed Frank Gore that he was going to become the focal point of the offense. It's exactly what happened. And while I'm happy that the Jets traded Jamal Adams, and I'm happy with the return they got for him, Gase has been exactly the guy he was in Miami. He's ran off every quote-unquote star player here, whether it was Jamal Adams or Le'Veon Bell. And look, that, those are going to end up being the right personnel moves for the Jets anyway. But the point is the guy cannot lead and he cannot get along with his team. And these two years have been... This is... The Jets are worse right now than they were in that Rich Kotai year. And I know people like to say, no, you can't compare anyone to Kotai. Gase is at that level right now at 0-11, scoring three points a week. Uh in a league where Trace McSorley could come in for the Ravens and throw a touchdown. You know, Trace McSorley is a third-string quarterback. He could finish with more touchdown passes than Sam Darnold this year. You know, Darnold hasn't sniffed throwing for over 300 yards in a game this year. It's his third year. And most of that is at the footsteps of Gase. So what hopefully happens is that the Jets finish 0-16. 
They fire Adam Gase and the entire coaching staff on Black Monday. They draft Trevor Lawrence, and we only refer to Adam Gase as HC 0-16 going forward. And, you know, fans, fan people who follow the team and cover the team casually like myself were certainly not right about everything, but all of us knew this was going to be a disaster. And anyone who put any time and energy into telling you this wasn't going to be a disaster, I have no idea what they were thinking. I have no idea what they were looking at. So sometimes we all know what we're talking about. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with another episode and hopefully talking about our 0-12 Jets.